Hello everyone, this is Levi Perigo and you're listening to the Quiver Archery App Podcast, the show for people that love adventure, archery, and all things outdoors. Today we're going to be talking with William Alterson, who is an archery hunter and a target archery competitor in both ring and paper targets as well as 3D competitions. We're going to discuss his passion for all things archery and how he got into this sport. And, oh, by the way, he's a young buck with a whole lot of potential for amazing archery journey ahead of him. So, William, welcome to the show. Yeah, Levi, thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be on my first ever podcast with you guys. Oh, man, first ever podcast. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you're doing it with us. Well, let's let's get started. So maybe, William, can you just give us a little you know, background about yourself, maybe how you got into archery? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you from, right from the beginning. My dad was into fishing his entire life and put a fishing rod in my hands since I could walk. And uh, I was I was really hooked. <laughs> <Pun intended. laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I grew up on Long Island where there were actually some uh, pretty nice deer right on the uh, eastern tip, eastern end. But we bought a house up in the Catskill Mountains of New York, uh, in upstate New York. And my, my dad was really able to help us pursue our passion for archery up there in the, in, in the mountains. And it was, it was a real, real help to watch him shoot his first, uh, first, first deer and to be with him during that. And it lit a fire inside of me. Well, my dad and brother uh, and I would shoot a 3D deer target and we would stand out there shooting for hours on end. And we, he had us learn actually to shoot without a sight, uh, which really helped me connect with the arrows and it forced me to aim with the tip of the arrow. And I, I don't think uh, if I didn't do that, or I'd be here now. It really helped me uh, make, making sure I wasn't uh, punching the trigger, uh, which my brother's still struggling with. <laughs> Man, so many of us still struggle with <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, to keep our passion, we, we watched hunting shows like uh, the big ones like Meat Eater, yep. uh, West Connor, which is a great one, and uh, The Woodsman. We are actually a part of the uh, the Woodsman right now. Of course, and, uh, it's it's really cool. Our our episode featuring my dad's uh, Montana mule deer hunt in September. He uh, he got a big mule deer uh, after winning the mule deer super tag for Montana, and we're so blessed to be a part of that. And for those of you out there that don't know what the super tag is, is they give that out in each state, e- each animal, and it's any method of take, any unit in the state and any sex. Uh, although, although I don't think anybody with that prized of a tag would shoot a doe. Or totally. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's for anybody that doesn't know. Man, that's awesome. I think you're super fortunate to one, be able to do that with you know your brother and your dad and just kind of oh, yeah, come, come up that way and, and kind of experience it in the field, being able to see someone else harvest something. That's a very, very special thing yep. to do and especially you know at a young age you have a, a lot of that ahead of you so you said he drew the super tag tell me you got to go with him on that and how did that go yeah we did we went with a good buddy who's a videographer for the woodsman uh dustin my brother my dad and i and um we had we were it was it was our first time ever using a guide because with that prize of a tag you want to know the the great the really great spots and Went with a guy named uh, Tucker Lair. He was our guide, and it it was just it was such a great experience. I'll get that. I'll, I'll get to that 
and I, I believe one of these questions is about uh, uh, hunts that you've been on okay that you still love that you love yeah okay awesome yeah no that's 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 an awesome background and I think you're lucky unlike a lot of us who kind of just started on our own you kind of have you know your family there with you and a mentor and you know being part of the woodsman there's a whole group of mentors there so you're just really I I know everyone probably tells you this man you're young and you just that's not how it was you're so lucky but it truly is an honor to, to kind of be able to come up that way with your family. So it, it make, really is. Yeah. So let's, let's see. So that's kind of how you got into it. And that's an amazing story, but mm-hmm. I think in the past you were kind of kind of into competitive sports and, you know, you kind of took a step back from that. And now you're focused a little on yeah. competition archery. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me what's going on there. Well, like I said, we lived on long Island and I was really into lacrosse and I was competing at a high level since I was six I was practicing like three or more nights a week uh, and going to bed at midnight each one of those nights. And lacrosse was all I thought about. But uh, but during the pandemic, uh, my love for archery uh, really grew. And we moved full time to our house upstate and I shifted my focus uh, completely to uh, hunting and archery. And uh, my dad, <laughs> my dad's advice, I'll, I'll never forget it. He said, lacrosse skills fade, but but bow hunting can be a lifelong journey. And I honestly live by that now and i just pursue my passion for bow hunting and archery man that's that's awesome that's so true i mean i know after speaking with your dad and many other people you know we've dedicated our lives to sports and in your dad's case football right and what what does he do with that now right you can't play football when you're our age but something like archery is something you can enjoy the rest of your life and to Mm -hmm. be honest you know as good as you are now even if you don't get any better you can still hold those skills the rest of your life. And that's, yeah, totally. That's something really, really exciting. So, so tell me, uh, in lacrosse, uh, which is ex- exceedingly popular on the East coast. Oh um, yeah. Tell me what position did you play or which one did you I like? Pl- I played for a while. I played uh fate. I, I was a face off guy, which okay. where you have middies, uh, two other middies on the side and then the other team has them on the side and they run in from the wings. They're called. And I would fight, I would fight for the ball. And the other guy would get it or I would get it. And that was just, a, that was a really tough position because you were battling for the ball to give it, to get it to your team. And that helps. I compare that to my archery, my archery now, because that was, that was a lot of stress on your shoulders when you have like the game on the line, you need to get the ball for your team. Um, it, it, I can compare that just to like when you're shooting a, a 660 in uh, Lancaster. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Man, and so like I just got turned on to lacrosse maybe a, a few years ago. Um, there's a woman on the, the University of Colorado team and she would come over and watch our kids every once in a while. And so then we would always go and watch her. And man, I tell you, after seeing it and not knowing much about it, it's one of my yeah. favorite favorite sports to watch. It's so oh, cool. Yeah, without a doubt. But what about when you started, you know, kind of moving away from organized sports, lacrosse and moving into to archery, what did what did your friends, what did your family think about that? How did that, how did that transition go? They were kind of shocked at first, um, that I chose, chose archery over lacrosse and other sports. Um, and even a few were disgusted at the idea of hunting animals. Sure. Uh, but it's, it's really funny because those people gained a new perspective and honestly are asking me now how, how to get into hunting and archery. And, uh, we, we even built a workshop um this past spring and i have a bow press now and 
a bow vice and all the things I would need to uh, tinker with a bow. I tuned other people's bows along with mine. And so that's, that's just really cool um, to be a great influence on my friends and family. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people saw the same thing happened to me a few years ago, I guess. Yeah. A couple years ago now during COVID when there weren't, when there wasn't food in the stores, people were like, man, I think I need to get into hunting. You know, all those people that were saying, Oh, what are you doing hunting for? It's like, man, this is the best food you can get. And now, you know, people are starting to say, Oh, I I get it. How do I get my hunter safety? Totally. Yeah, totally. And so I think you're ahead of the curve there. And like I said, everything that you learn now is just going to compound, you know, the more you get and you're at a really, really great opportunity to be a spokesman for, you know, your, your friends, your peers, that age group, like you have this whole platform that you can say, man, it's, you know, it's really good. It, it's helpful for shooting. It builds confidence. Um, you know, also I can go hunting for food for, you know, that we can eat and yeah. you just have a great platform yeah, there. Totally. So let's maybe shift a little. So I know that you're into competition archery, right? And yeah. so there's several different styles. So I know that you, we saw you at the the Lancaster Archery Classic, and yeah. I know you've done a few others and we've done some, some 3D tournaments. I know you're at TAC. We'll talk about that in a little yeah. bit, but if you don't mind, can you give us just an overview of, you know, what is the competition style when you're you know, you're shooting for rings, you're trying to get that center mark every time. Can you just give our listeners an overview on how that works? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Lancaster and Vegas, the two to two most popular indoor tournaments, um, in my opinion, uh, they involve shooting at a round bullseye that's colored, uh, from a fixed distance, shoulder, shoulder. Um, you're usually shooting it at 18 meters, um, or 20 yards, Yep. uh, just about 20 yards. Um, and each circle represents a different uh, point value. And we're, they're very similar, but just the in Lancaster, the X, as it would be in Vegas, the middle one that, mm-hmm. you're, that you always want to hit, um, would be just 11. And it would go 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, and then 6. And then it would end there, um, depending on what face you're using. That's just a quick rundown. Yep. And so... Lancaster Archery Classic is, I mean, I think this year they had, I think, 2,700 archers there. And oh, when you, yeah. And when you say shoulder to shoulder, we're talking a line of 500 uh-huh. archers right beside each other. And yeah. you get up there to the to Lancaster Archery Classic, your first, what I would say, major tournament, right? I mean, you're there, there's Olympians there, there's a whole bunch of professionals there, and you're yeah. going to what is like the, one of the biggest tournaments in the world. And you started with a little bit of a hiccup where someone knocked over your bowl or, or tell me what happened there. Yes. Yeah, a, a fellow archer just knocked over my bow right before the, uh, the first practice end. Uh, you got, you have six arrows. So you have two ends of practice and I was already just struggling with uh, some anxiety because it was my first, first, first ever tournament. I honestly, I did know how to handle it, but I also didn't sure. um, because when I'm, I'm just shooting, like I, I shoot like 150 or more arrows a day to prepare for those kinds of things um, as well as hunting. And uh, so it, it, my pastor actually let me practice in the basement of our church, which, awesome. which helped because it was zero degrees outside right. and my fingers would get numb like that. And um, 
so yeah, so I competed in the uh, the men's bow hunter division, uh, mm -hmm. where you see a lot of guys with long stabilizers, uh, magnification in their uh, scope, and so the bow the bow hunter division is going to be max of twelve inches of stabilizer, um, including weights, and uh, like a quick disconnect. Like I didn't use that um, because it would just it would stick out too far. Sure. And uh, no magnification, no clarifiers in your peep. Um, and there is actually, there is what really bugged me, um, after that guy knocked over my bow <laughs> is that once you get into scoring, you cannot move your sight at all. So those six arrows were it to get my bow back and it falling over, knocked it. I was shooting to the left and I didn't correct it as much as I should have, I think, uh, because I was shooting to the left and I had to hold off, which, which didn't, didn't help <laughs> with Man, I I can't imagine. I mean, so, you know, Matt and I have said many, many times that confidence is one of the biggest components of archery. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And when you get into one of the biggest tournaments of your life and then immediately get your bow knocked over, if you're like me, I'm thinking, oh, of course, you know, my sight's off. Yeah. Something's going to be off. Like, is it just me or is my sight off? What's happening? I don't know how you, how that didn't just drive you crazy. Yeah, it, it did a little bit. And so a, a lot of guys, uh, I saw a couple guys get their bows knocked over. But as I mentioned, uh, the bow hunter division, you can't have more than 12 inch stabilizer. And when my bow fell, uh, usually if you had like a longer stabilizer, it wouldn't knock into the sight. Uh, but it, but it did. So it, it didn't, it didn't, yeah, it didn't help at all with my confidence. And uh, so I finished 45th out of, about 180 archers, That's which uh, unfortunately is not my standard. And uh, I was shooting way better in practice. Um, and I, I, I really wanted to win. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think all of us who know you, we we still believe you had a really great chance of winning. You know, it's just one of those things, something happens here, you know, a few points there. And, but I think it's also important that the listeners know that you were in the men's bow hunting division and you still, you still did extremely well. Uh, I'm positive you would have destroyed me <laughs> in your score, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, but now that I have an experience on, uh, under my belt, I, I know I was, I'll work as hard as I possibly can uh, to not be in 45th ever again. But so in the, for example, in the Lancaster archery classic, there's the bow hunter division, which you said there's some limitations on your bow site, your, the stabilizer, but then there's also many other competitions, right? There's oh yeah, yeah. There's there's barebell recurve, uh, the men's the men's division, which is just long, whatever you want on your bow. Pretty much, you can have a stabilizer sticking out ten feet to the uh, to the right yep. or left. <laughs> Honestly, that would not sit well with other archers on the line. But um, yeah, so th those are the four categories, um, and then there's women's, men's and masters yeah, yeah like yeah that. there is ma yeah there's masters seniors yeah and so like the bear bow right that's using a recurve with no sight no rest just just like it sounds like a bear bow yep yep there's and then on it. then there's the recurve which is what you see in the olympics right yep. so and then i think you just called it the the men's open or the men's professional the, that yeah is... the men's open pro okay and tell me that one is basically they can have anything right anything yeah yeah so on they usually have a compound bow but 
no limit on their stabilizer. They can have, you know, sight as long as they want any of that stuff. So, mm-hmm. and, and you're in the bow hunter division, right? Yep. Okay. So tell me overall, you know, obviously you feel like you didn't score as high as you wanted to, but yeah. what did you think overall of the experience as far as, you know, seeing him practicing in the basement of your church versus practicing with 2000 other people? Yeah. What was your experience overall? Well, my experience was great. I, I loved it so much. Um, I loved every minute of it and didn't regret being there whatsoever. And uh, I came away with a lot of uh, learning experience. And one thing I didn't mention is uh, I rushed my arrows so badly. Like in my church, there's no adrenaline at all. Sure. Um, I'm just shooting, 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 going to get my arrows. But when you're under pressure and your heart's beating, you cannot be because you're going to get fatigued so quickly. And uh, that's that's only what I uh, caught uh, later in in uh, in the scoring um, on the last couple of ends. Yeah, it's one of those things where you just kind of get caught up of, man, there's yeah. so many people here. I'm so excited. And then you realize, uh-huh. wow, I'm shooting these twice as fast as I normally do. Uh-huh. I, I like 40 or more seconds left on the clock, which is <laughs> an hour or more. They put on an exceptional tournament that when you get into that final round and, and you're sitting up there, you know, with all those people just watching one-on-one with the lights off, like that's a, that's a crazy yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. Just two lights, one on you and one on the target. Yeah. Yep. What do you, how do you think you'll do? I mean, you're going to be there some point. How do you think you're going to feel? Is there going to be a lot of pressure up there? Yes. Um, but I think this time it was just learning nerves, I guess. Um, and just a lot of mental notes for next time. And I have this, uh, USA archery indoor, uh, tournament coming up, which, uh, I'm feeling good about. And, uh, I hope, hopefully I can bring it home. It's the national tournament. So I'm going to be competing with everybody, everybody, one across the country. Um, so that'll, that'll be really cool. So tell me more about, tell me more about that one. So which one is that? Is it the same style competition? What is it like? Yeah, it is, but um, what USA Archery does and World Archery is when you're shooting 18 meters, and it's a little bit different than Lancaster and Vegas, there's uh, the 10 line, which would normally be um, on a Lancaster face or Vegas face. They shrink that in, and now the X or 11 on uh, Lancaster, uh, X being in Vegas, that's the 10. So they shrink the 10 real small yep. and even nine, eight, seven, six. And what's the, so like in, in the Lancaster classic, you're going for like a 660 score. What are you looking yeah. for in, in this tournament? Um, I'm looking for a 600. 600. Yeah. And so. Which would be a 660 X. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And what the, what the people don't understand and what, you know, both Matt and myself didn't know about this tournament archery is you know, we're thinking, oh, it's 20 yards, right? That's, you know, that's 20 yards. I I don't even start warming up until 30 yards, right? But like at 20 yards, we're talking, you're hitting a dime, (laughs) like a dime every single time. Yeah. The X would be uh, the size of a penny. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what people don't understand is like, people are literally hitting that penny 59 out of 60 shots, you know, or some people are 60 out of 60. Mm Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's hard to believe that it is that precise 
And there's just so much mental into it because you're doing the exact same thing every time you're getting tired. There's a whole bunch of other factors going on with pressure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's yeah. a whole nother thing. We're, we're, me and Matt are both pumped on it after seeing it for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then that is, that's coming up. And then do you have any other, what I call, you know, ring target or, or target archery tournaments after that? Um, well, I, I haven't planned any yet. I know a lot will come up uh after because i just i'm just shooting like tournament from tournament i had a usa archery tournament uh a week and a half ago and uh i actually it was such a big mistake by me because i forgot that uh in usa archery the max arrow diameter is a 23 23 and i brought a 27 which you would be able to use at uh, lancaster vegas mm-hmm. or any of those other ones besides usa archery and world archery um, so the, the pro shop was kind enough to, uh, lend me some, uh, 23s, which were just not tuned for my bow. I had to take my D loop off and, uh, stop one of my scoring ends and make it up later, uh, to, to redo my D loop because of the knock fit. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm sure I'll have many others coming up. I'm looking to do some, uh, tack events, uh, which is just a great way to, to get outside uh, and shoot bows, whether it's with friends, family, and it's also a great way to prepare for hunting season. And that's what I look at it as, uh, as opposed to like an ASA or an IBO, mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. Um, I'd be shooting just target uh, t- uh, with my target bow, um, where tack is just such a great way to prepare for hunting. And it's got so many technical shots, like uphill, downhill, and like a brush in the, in the middle of his vitals where you have to arc your arrow over it. Or a log in front of his vitals where your arrow has to go over it. I love those because I have no problem aiming at a log, knowing that my arrow is going to go right over. Right. Um, and so yeah. let me, we'll come back to attack in just a minute. But what yeah. <laughs> one of the things that when we went to that, when Matt and I went to that tournament and we saw you and one of the first thing that kind of shocked us was the diameter of those arrows. Like you were talking oh, yeah. about, like, you know, yep. we were talking with with your dad and we're like, man, we're used to shooting like four millimeter hunting arrows. Uh-huh. These things are like three times that size. <laughs> yeah. Maybe four. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And yep. so tell me, that's just the standard though, right? When the kind of indoor tournaments, that's the standard size. Yeah. That would be the standard size. Uh, most popular uh, size, uh, depending on, on what uh, league you're in, whether it's NFAA, NFAA would be Lancaster or Vegas, 2764s, mm-hmm. and then USA Archery and World Archery would be 2364s, which would yeah. be 23s and 27s. Yeah, it's just so odd, you know, they're, yeah. this, it's the same, you know, archery sport, but in one of them, you want about as fat as arrow as you can get, and then Ooh. in hunting, you want about as small as arrow as you can yeah, get. Yeah, to get more penetration, yep. Yeah, exactly, and yeah. what you were just describing, though, of kind of that ad- adversity of showing up you got a completely incorrect standard of arrow for this tournament <laughs> yeah. having to kind of switch in the middle and like you know it's, it there's a whole scene that is all they do is is target archery right but if you if you take that into the hunting field you know stuff like that happens all the time like you said i got my d loop is broken or you know i lost my rest i got to switch mm-hmm. to a different one or i lost my release yeah. So like oh my that... gosh, that happened to me so many times this year. <laughs> I was just like, oh, well, uh, this 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 broke or uh, my string's frayed, so I got to get a new one. And that just takes time. And it's just, it's so, and sometimes it's just 
it's a little mental game because you're you're so you're mad but you love it at the same time but i think there's so many people whether it is in a, a tournament or when they're in the in the mountains hunting like if something small like that goes wrong they can't handle it mentally oh and oh yeah definitely it, and now you know like you are just building up this mental tenacity of man whatever happens i can fix it it's still going to be all right i think that's going to go a long way whether it's in archery or in your job or just going forward having that mental Mm -hmm. confidence is, is going to be huge yeah yes it is key mental confidence is key without and a doubt did you say you <laughs> you lost your release before um yes i have oh man that is uh in i think maybe in the last podcast we were talking and one of our buddies we sat down for lunch and you know he took his his wrist release off and set it there and then we we hike Ooh. out about 15 minutes and he's like oh man mm -hmm. I, I forgot my release and luckily you know i was the last one leaving lunch and so i saw it there and i grabbed it for him but i didn't yeah. tell him i didn't tell him until he realized it was missing oh yeah i did i did that to my brother um when we were we were in uh montana uh for a mule deer hunt and he forgot the magazine at our hotel but i found it and i had it in my <laughs> i was like james you got the magazine for the gun uh-oh i was like nah i just i got it <laughs> uh, yeah when you don't have any ammunition or you don't have your release i mean there's not much you can do at that point oh yeah mm -hmm. oh man that's awesome so mm -hmm. all right so you said you mentioned tax so i know you know for a lot of people 3d tournaments are coming up like asa and you know that's that's a very similar thing to both what you do indoor because there's a whole pro uh tournament scene but there's also yeah. kind of the amateurs like you know uh, most of us. And then there's a, a tack version, which is still shooting 3d targets, but you know, not the professional type scene. What do you think about the two of those? I know you mentioned tack a little bit, but what do you think about the, the differences there? Yeah. The, the differences would just be, uh, competing tack. You're just, you can compete against your friend. You're just, you're shooting like 90 yard bombs up a 30 degree incline or 150 yard shot. Uh, down a 20 degree incline or on a side hill where you have to like bubble in um, because your bubble would just go out the left side or right yeah. side because <laughs> um, your 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 mental um, your brain wants to uh, make it level with the earth but it's it's really not man that um, I mean but, so we're for so Matt and I are fortunate enough we have a a 3d uh, range here in Boulder and it oh, has yeah, high cool. high high angle shots real steep angle shots and people that just go to like an ASA or have never shot those angles yeah. and then come out West to hunt, they don't understand like, man, mm -hmm. you got to kind of torque your bow to get that thing level when you're shooting <laughs> yeah. at an angle. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, and ASA would be just like cut paths, perfectly flat, flat ground most of the time. And you're just, you're shooting 3d animals. You got ASA um, would be two twelves and you'd call each one yep. top or bottom. And then, uh, in the shoot-offs, there would be a 14, and then there's a 10 uh, outside of the 12, and then there's an 8, which would have all of it. Yep. And so And, and then in yeah, uh, TAC, it is, it's realistic, it's 3D targets, first of all, and yeah. it's it's realistic hunting scenarios. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But like the difference... I saw, yeah, like I mentioned, like a log in front of, the, uh, in front of it, you got to put your arrow over that. Yep. 
And then they have some, like you said, just for fun at like, you know, 110 yards or something. Yep. Yep. And if, if I'm not mistaken, didn't you shoot one of those bombs and do pretty well? Yeah. So they have, um, they have shots that you can take, uh, you, you pay a little bit of money and one of the shots is at a caribou at 111 yards, uh, and you're entered to win a truck. It's like $15 a ticket. Um, and if you hit the inside the 11 ring, it has to be inside out, no liners, no nothing. Uh, you, you hit it inside out, you get entered to win, uh, the tack truck for that, that year. And I actually, I was fortunate enough to hit it in, uh, Vermont this year. <laughs> you hit, let's see, what is it? Probably a, a two inch circle. Oh at, yeah. Probably oh, two and a half inches. At what? A hundred and how far was it? 111 yards. Yeah. People don't understand. I, I've heard this compared a lot. So, you know, yeah. shooting, shooting a bow at a hundred yards is very comparable to shooting a rifle at a thousand yards. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. And so for you to be able to hit a two and a half inch round circle at a hundred, uh, that's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. it how do really you, how do you practice things like that? Well, I just get out in my backyard and shoot far distances. I, preparing for that, I'm shooting like 120 yards. So like, and hunting in general, I'm shooting 120 yards. So if I were to take like a, like I took a cow elk this year at 73 yards, that felt like nothing because I'm practicing past 100. I, I, me personally, I wouldn't shoot anything past 100. Um, if it was an antelope, maybe I would take it because those are like the hardest things to hunt with a bow. Um, and you rarely get an opportunity inside of a hundred, uh, with most of the, uh, the hunting for those, because it's mostly flat, flat ground. Uh, if you can find some, uh, r rocky hills and whatnot, that that's good. But, um, yeah, when you're on flat ground for those things, oof, good yeah. luck getting inside. Yeah. And they have like, literally like binoculars for vision. Oh yeah. They have nine X vision and they see 280 degrees around their head. The good thing though, is you said shooting those at a hundred, man, <laughs> those antelope are like, they're like made of glass. If you hit them with an arrow, they're going down. Oh, pretty oh much. yeah, exactly. Like you, you can hit them in the leg and they'll bleed out because their heart's pumping so fast when they're running that fast. And their, their nickname is speed goat. Uh, because if you see these things run, they run, they run so fast. And when, if you hit them in a good, and a semi good spot that thing's going to bleed out. Yeah. I, I, I heard that same thing. And I think, you know, I heard, so they're the, the fastest land mammal in North America. And yes, we were trying, I, I, I heard something or I read something and it was like, why are these things so fast? There's absolutely nothing that, you know, they're, they're predators. There's nothing that's close. And I know. Yeah. Apparently there's, there used to be a North American cheetah is what they said. Uh, oh. And so that would kind of make sense, but you know, we're looking at them now and we're like, man, why are these things so fast? There's yeah. nothing that can even touch them. Yep, exactly. But let me go back to what you said earlier of, you know, you said you shot a cow elk at 73 yards, which is, yeah. which is unbelievable. But see, some yeah. people will look at that and they'll say, oh man, you know, 70 yards, that's way too far. Why would anyone shoot that? Well, if you're like me and you that are shooting 120 yards every day, or like you said, you're shooting, you know, 150 arrows every day, the people that are saying, well, you should never shoot 70 yards. Yeah. Something. They, 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 they I refer to them as the people that take out their bow two, two weeks before hunting season. Yeah. And they're shooting <laughs> at, at most 
40 yards in their backyard, you know? Yep, exactly. But like, like exactly like what you were saying, if we're practicing at, you know, 110, 120, 70 seems pretty close. Yeah, it does. Yep. So, so that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what you should be doing. I think that's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, so, so tell me now. So we, we talked a little about tack and kind of the competition archery. Um, what do you, what do you like kind of differently about the competition archery and the hunting? Do you like one more than the other, or do you feel like one prepares you for the other? Or what do you think? Yeah, I'd say if I had to pick one, it would be hunting. I just love, love being able to put meat in our freezer. And there's honestly nothing better than that, um, than putting it on the table and eating that as you can, you and Matt can uh, testify to. Oh, barely. We're not near as successful as you are. I don't think. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but I appreciate that uh, competition arch archery in general helps me uh, prepare for a hunting season pressure. It's very uh, similar adrenaline when a big buck or bull walks out, um, even even a cow or a doe when you're doing like doe management or something. Um, it, you still always have that in you and uh, you got to train for those moments and competition when you're when you're under stress like that. Um, it, it, it'll when you're the more you are in those moments, the more you'll be able to handle those moments as best to the best of your ability. Yeah, that's that's really a good way to put it. And you know, you could you could focus on competition archery and love it. I think a lot of people do. And then there's also people that do the competition to prepare them for hunting season, right? Yeah. And there's there's good things about both of them, but as long as people are getting into archery, I think it's it's great no matter what. Yeah, me too. So let's, let's see. So with your competition archery and your hunting setup, um, is there, do you have a different bow for kind of competition and different for hunting? Yeah, or? I would have like, so like a larger axle axle bow generally for most people would aim better. So on, in my, um, when I'm shooting competitions, uh, I'm using a TRX 36, which is 36 inches axle axle three mm -hmm. feet for anybody that's like, that do that doesn't know as well as just putting your hands out three feet and that's that's a it's a long ways and so in, in hunting if I were so I do a lot of uh saddle hunting and when you're in a blind or anything like that you you need a maneuverable bow and this year I used a 28 inch axle axle bow uh for hunting uh because that's just way more maneuverable I can I can see guys using a if if you're Levi Morgan's height uh, like six, four, six, five. Um, I could see you using a 36 inch axle axle bow for hunting, but, uh, and also along, if you were just, if you were shooting at antelope in flat country, you don't need to get your bow through anything, um, like that, but I'm five foot, I'm five foot nine. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too tall and I, I can't handle that as good as well in, uh, sneaky situations as, uh, in, in competitive archery. Uh, first of all, let me stop you right there. Uh, five foot nine is not short. I think that's about how tall me <laughs> yeah. and Matt both are. So yeah. let's let's yeah. say that that's not too short. But yeah. what people don't understand is so that axle to axle. That's that's basically how tall your bow is. Yes, from the axle that holds the cam to the next axle that holds the cam, and you can add on four more inches to each side with your cams. Yeah. And people don't understand that we're what you said, you know, a 36 versus a 28, you know, we're talking six, eight inches there, you know, that, yeah. but that makes a huge difference when you're in the field. Uh huh. 
in backcountry hunting, when you have that bow, you that bow is in your hand literally every second of the entire day, and you're moving yeah. it over sticks, you're moving it between. Yeah, it also gets heavy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The weight difference makes a, makes a, a huge, lot. huge difference. Um, what about what's like some of your, your favorite stuff? You don't have to name names or anything, but. Oh, well, all, all, all really my, uh, my favorites really cross over. Um, of course my vortex binoculars, range finder and my spotting scope, which my dad uses a lot when he's behind me, uh, looking at my arrows, especially in indoor. Mm -hmm. Um, and of course, and of course, yeah, my releases, uh, I use a stand, um, release and then an ultra view release, the Stan Onyx clicker and the ultra view, uh, hinge two and, uh, the ultra view, um, thumb button that they have. What do you, yeah. Which do you like? Do you like the hinge? Do you like thumb button? What do you think? Well, I like the, uh, I like the click with the thumb button yep. in the Stan Onyx clicker, uh, which Joel Turner came up with. If, uh, anybody's listening to this and they're struggling with any target panic, uh, which I, fortunately never did uh, <laughs> I kind of caught myself uh definitely go check out his stuff um because that that'll definitely help a lot but yeah I, i'd say the stand on it clicker because i love I, I like instead of pulling with my index finger or pinky i like pushing it with my thumb and, and pulling with my back muscles mm -hmm. um and yeah i just I, I honestly go around the house uh with my release because i have a uh, MD 50 gear, uh, makes a shot trainer and it's, there's like a chart, um, that you put in your holding weight and I believe you, your draw length and it puts it together. And then it's, and, and it has like, a, it's like a rubber band with a metal spot for your, for your, uh, hand, your left or right hand to go, uh -huh. yeah. uh, depending on, uh, what hand you are. Um, and it just, it stretches a little bit. And it gives you your exact holding weight when you get to full draw. And so that, that's a really cool thing. I just walk around um, doing it. My parents often have to uh, tell me to put it down for dinner or something. <laughs> uh, no training at the table. Yeah, no. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think so. Matt and I have, have contemplated, you know, the thumb release versus the index release. And we always go back and forth. And I think... In target archery, absolutely everyone either uses a hinge or a thumb release. You yeah. know, but in the hunting field, there's just so many opportunities where an index release makes sense. Oh, right? without a doubt, yeah. It's, it's always there. It's always ready. You don't have to find it. You know, if something comes up really quick, you're ready. Um, but yeah. I, I think there's little argument that you know a back tension thumb release or hinge is is more accurate. What What do you think? Um. Well, it depends on how you shoot them. It's just depends on the archer. Everybody shoots different. Um, you might like rotation, you might like resistance, which there are resistance releases, um, which th those are more for new archers where you're just completely pulling. There's nothing to do. You can rotate, you can, uh, there's no trigger whatsoever. You're just completely pulling. And uh, the thumb button where you would, you can operate it with your thumb um, and, or you can rotate your pinky like you would a hinge or you straight up back tension, stretch your hand kind of. Um, and use your back muscles and then an index release people might like it because when when I think when everybody starts out in archery unless they have like an insane mentor um, they they usually start out with an index release and they're just hammering the, the crap out of it yeah with their uh, index finger but yeah 
depends on how you shoot them. I can I I think I sh personally shoot thumb button better than I would an index release or anything else. Yeah, that's a perfect perfect answer and a good explanation. All right, let's let's start to wrap up here. We got a few more things that I'd like to hear your kind of thoughts on. So uh, we talked about target archery for a while. We've talked about kind of the 3D tack. Um, what about, let's talk about some hunts that you've been on. So is there yeah. any memorable ones, either good or bad? Cause I've had a lot of bad <laughs> and very few good ones, but they're, they're all good in their own way. Yep. All great in their own way. Great experiences. Um, yeah, I got, I got four really good ones. Um, I'm gonna try to go through them as quick as I can because yeah, totally. the first one would be my first whitetail. Um, that was just a, such a great experience. We were up here in the Catskill Mountains. My dad and I were walking out. It was like 11 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we were just walking on a trail, and I spotted him, uh, my first um, whitetail up. He was grade 8 point, uh, 120s 8 point. Wow. And uh, I spotted him up like a 40-degree cliff, like where we never, ever uh, think of one being there. And he was chasing a doe. It was late November, and uh, – I was able to put a great bullet in him it, to show you how steep the shot was. It went pretty much through his brisket, up through the bottom of his heart, out the top of his heart, and then blew out his offside shoulder, it being the right shoulder. Wow. And that was just, and he didn't go anywhere. That's amazing. Yeah, that was, that, was, that, a, that was your first whitetail? Come on. Uh -huh. First ever, first ever animal. Oh my gosh. That's, un animal that's unreal. That yeah. Really cool. Really cool first one. I uh, ever since then I knew I was hooked. It wasn't with a bow, but I knew I was hooked on hunting in general. Man, that's unreal. Yeah. What? Any yeah. others that stand out to you? So yeah, my my second one would be this year we were in Colorado, and we we were walking through the woods. It was uh, I mentioned earlier, our buddy Dustin was with us on the Montana trip. He came with us to film on our Colorado trip. He came uh, for like three days, two or three days. And it was his first time out, first morning out, elk hunting in the woods. And we had uh, got in on some elk and it was just, it was, it was complete chaos. It was, it was the good kind of chaos because I, I was having a bugle battle with like a seven by seven at like 90 yards. He was raking trees, his cows were going <laughs> crazy, like, and then just bugle battle, uh, bugles everywhere. He had like three or four other satellite bowls, which were smaller. But yeah, he was like 90 uh, yards to like thick timber where I couldn't get a shot through. Um, but yeah, it was just such a great experience because it was my it was really my first time bugling uh, in that kind of situation. And I thought I did pretty well. Um, I'm not not an expert. I wouldn't win the uh, the elk, elk calling competitions that a lot of people would. But it, it was a really great experience. And uh, this year it was such a great time in Colorado. When you won, just hear an elk bugle up close. Uh -huh. It is, it is the first insane. time I ever heard one. It was just like, like a a shock goes through your body, from your head all the way down to your toes. It's crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and then to take it to the next level where they're answering your calls, that is just um, like a next yeah. level of adrenaline of hearing that animal respond to you is is just hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah, we we all we have it all on video. As I mentioned, he was a videographer. It's a really cool video. Really oh, cool, man. dude. Just to see a seven by seven in the wild. Oh yeah, he was, he was just raking a tree, just bugling his head off. And they never they never closed the distance. I, don't, I think his cows were um, a little spooked and they didn't want to come in. But it was it was still early rut. Um, but 
yeah, I, I, I couldn't get in because I, I had no cover. It was just uh, aspens with really thin, um, thin stumps. So there's really no way to get in. I was hi hiding behind like a little uh, spruce tree. Yeah, man. That I think what they say is they don't get that big by being dumb. Uh-huh. Exactly. Man, keep them coming. What else you got? Yeah. So my next one, my third one, would be on the way back from Colorado. We stopped uh, in Kansas, and we were at our buddy Ethan's place, and he was. We were fortunate enough to have him invite us out for a great antelope hunt, and uh, I believe it was the second or third to last day. Um, we we were just we had been on like two or three stalks already. And those, those antelope, like you, you're like, okay, he's bedded right here. We're going to go for him. He's gone the next, or he sees you with his 280 degree nine power vision. Right. Uh, and so it was really windy. So we we're like, let's go to the gas station and get some, uh, get some drinks, get some food and us, and then come back out later when the wind dies down a little bit. And we were just driving in the truck and right on one of his uh, patches of land that he owns there, he, he has so he has so so much acreage out there, and on uh, a cut cornfield, this this giant uh, antelope was just sitting out there bedded, facing directly away from us. So it was it was like fifty to sixty mile an hour winds, just could be sixty mile an hour gusts, and the, there was just dust everywhere. And so he and I, Dad and James, were waiting at the truck. They could see perfectly. He and I uh, just gunned it to him we're, we're just gunning it right to him because he had his back to us and it was so windy him not hearing us would be very slim and so we get out like 200 yards and we're like 130 yards away from him and this buck i kid you not stands up turns around sits down beds down looking straight at us and so we're like all right well this this stock is over, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I say you know what I mean we're we're already out here let me just give it a shot and so I start crawling he's got the video on me and I'm just crawling I've got like a little little tiny little bush and I was like okay if I get there I think like a sixty yard shot well I got to that bush and I got to full draw I stepped up a little bit and was making noise he, he couldn't even hear me. Um, he, he like glanced over at me a little bit, but didn't know what I was because it was just so windy. The dust would get in your face. And I just, I, I got, I finally um, got his attention. He started looking right at me and I just, I could, I would have shot him. Um, it bedded down like that, but it was just, I could not steady my bow. My bubble was in the right side of my bow, uh, right side of my sight. And then the right. left side of my sight and just going everywhere, uh, friggin' six feet to his left and six feet to his right. So couldn't make a shot and he, he ended up running off, but that was, that was one of the craziest encounters that I've had with an animal today. That's an amazing experience, yeah. but, but also just to kind of have the maturity to be like, man, I, this is not a shot I should take. Right. That's yeah. Yeah. That, that says a lot about it, mm -hmm. man. So we, we got a whitetail story. We got a bull elk story an antelope story. What's next? Next one is going to be a mule deer story. There we go. On my dad's uh, mule deer hunt. Uh, with the super tag, we got out, um, for three days, we were just grinding. It, it was like, it was 60 degrees, uh, just mountains everywhere. Like we were, we were going on many stocks. We had been on like, I think 
seven or eight socks, just hardcore socks. Like you wanted, you wanted to just die right there. Uh, you needed water. You were like stripping layers, like it was going out of style in like twenty degree weather. Um, and finally, on the third day, on the third morning, I'll never forget it. We uh, we hiked up this this mountain. It was a smaller mountain. Um, and our guide Tucker, as I mentioned, he was like, "They're gonna be here. They're gonna be close, and, uh, or then they're gonna be right in right in this bowl." And we got up there. Two giants had just crested the ridge, like. 190s 200s just junk everywhere and so we we keep going a little bit more and we spot a really nice like 170 170s buck and and it, it's just like it was picture perfect uh the sun was coming down and it was just and i tell you to go watch our uh episode that aired september 6th uh on the woodsman um that was, it was it was a great hunt and it was it was picture perfect I mean, you couldn't have put that that mule deer any anywhere better. And my dad just smoked him at 450 yards right through the heart, and he just stumbled down. We all we all celebrated. I was getting, you know, I was gonna ask you like, what are some dream hunts you'd like to do sometime? But everyone you just described is like a oh, dream yeah. hunt to me. Oh, yep, mm-hmm. dream hunt for me. Yep, all of them. But is there any other thing that you'd like to um, do probably, going forward? Probably archery moose hunt in Alaska. Okay. Alaska and then caribou would be close second. I would uh, I would just love to be able to endure the elements of Alaska uh, and that what it has to offer and kill uh, or harvest uh, one of the biggest animals in North America. Um, we we probably need to get more freezers for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also if you go after a caribou, I mean. At TAC, you shot a caribou at 113 yards, yeah, right? So yeah. you, you kind of need to go after a caribou now. Yep. <laughs> I would Man. love that. So those are some, like, again, we've said this from the beginning. And, and what's really cool is, you know, after getting to know you and everything is like, you definitely understand how special these these moments are. Not Not everybody gets to do, you know, these top four that you had. Some people only get one of those in their whole lifetime and... And you've got to experience those with your family, you know, already at yeah. a young age. So what's cool about you is you understand how fortunate you are. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's why I think everyone likes you so much, but yeah. let's, let's kind of finish out and see what about going forward. Do you have any, any goals in either hunting or competition or anything? Yeah. Well, well hunting, of course, moose, caribou, big bull elk, um, big antelope and probably 170 plus white tailor and mule deer. Uh, so that, that's what my goals in hunting would be. And, uh, competition, just like to put up a, a fight against some of the top archers, uh, in indoor and 3d. Um, and I would just, I would love to be able to win an ASA or, uh, other indoor tournaments like Vegas or, uh, Lancaster, Rushmore Rumble they have, which I may, may want, may want to go to do next year. Uh, some IBOs and definitely some ASAs. I love 3d archery. Um, I just, I just love that. Like you're, you're, you look at the thing with your binos and you, you have a tiny, like a one inch 12 ring to hit. Um, and you're, you want to look at spot to aim because there's no, there are no colors or anything. So you got to pick a shadow, a dark spot in the target, uh, an, another person's arrow, um, uh, an arrow hole, uh, or any, anything that you can aim off of or aim at. Uh, and I, I, lo- I love that that twist to 3d archery about that. 
Yeah, man, that's, that's super exciting. And I think everybody that's kind of starting to follow you understands that you got a super bright future in competition archery and, and you got a lot of cool hunting adventures ahead of you. Yeah, definitely. What about, so, you know, we kind of talked about your transition from kind of organized sports to more competition archery and, and hunting. What, what do you think about, you know, getting other young archers into this area? Do you have any advice for them? Yeah, definitely. Uh, number one would be just practice, practice, and practice, uh, putting in the time to get comfortable shooting and improve your archery skills is there's, there's nothing better than, uh, being satisfied. Cause I look back when I, when I started archery and, uh, like uh, with a compound bow, with a sight and all that, um, two years ago, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was shooting like 50 yards and I was getting like six inch pie plate groups. And now I'm at 90 or a hundred and I'm getting four inch groups. <laughs> right. I look back and it's just like so much practice. And, uh, there, there are so many tools at uh, your fingertips teaching, uh, and teaching resources on YouTube and, uh, the hunting shows that I mentioned. Um, I just encourage people to, uh, to find, uh, people that know the sport and, uh, pick their brains and study them in action. Yeah. And, and what's so crazy is kind of what we were talking about earlier is, you know, it's, it's a sport that you can pick up for the rest of your life, whether you ever go hunting or not, you know, it's always just that, yeah, exactly. That pursuit of perfection, right? You're always trying to get better. There's always something you can improve. So there's something you can do the rest of your life. Yep. You being a youth archer, and I don't think we've said this, but you're what, 14 years old. Is that right? Yep. So what, any advice you have for, for parents, as far as parents of archers going yeah, forward? Yeah, I think, I think encouragement would be key, um, supporting them by helping them, uh, find mentors, bow shops, any online resources. Like I mentioned, YouTube, um, they can come up, they can come up with just to, just to feed their interest and hone their skills, uh, encouraging them to devote the time that they need to practice. I know homeschooling has really helped me, allowed me to maximize uh, my practice time and get, I can get up early and uh, shoot without uh, the pressure of catching the bus. Um, if I need to spend a little too much time uh, shooting one afternoon, I can just do night school that day. <laughs> yeah. So that, that just, that homeschooling really helps and all those other things uh, really help and just encouragement. Yeah, that's a great answer because, and I know that I think I can speak for your dad too, but you have a, a extremely bright future ahead of you, whether that is in archery or not. I, I think, you know, a lot of parents put a whole bunch of pressure on their kids that they want them to be great in yeah. sports or great in something else. You know, whether you end up, you know, being a professional archer someday or you're just doing it for fun, like, I think it's, you're already going to have good memories and a good experience for whatever happens in the future. Yep, Totally. Okay. Let's kind of wrap up. Uh, so you're a, you're a teenager. Do you have any socials or sponsors or anything you want to Yeah, plug? My, uh, my Instagram is uh, William Ames true. Um, I would definitely like to plug the, uh, the sh TV show that uh, we are involved with. It's on the sportsman's channel or my outdoor TV. Um, I love vortex optics, uh, stand ultra releases. Like I said, real tree patterns and uh, buck ventures is the hope is the host of the show that we were on and uh, I would love to plug them. You go look them up on Instagram uh, and, and give them a follow. Man, that's awesome. So Will, it's been awesome talking to you as always. I know you said yeah. this is your first podcast, but my gosh, you sound like a professional already. Yeah, I've got, I got some things that I have to work on. 
No, man, you did, you did outstanding. It's, it's really awesome talking to you. And I, it's, it's hard to believe, you know, the, the future potential that you have, just your personality, your faith, your, your hard work ethic, like all of that, you got such a bright future ahead of you. And we just want to say thanks for being on the the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So let me finish this up. And I want to say thanks to all the listeners. You're listening to the Quiver Archery App Podcast, where we're helping you enhance your archery adventures.